0: you ever wondered how to take your toddler canoeing? Do you want to get your kids biking trails with you? Maybe you're looking for a community of like-minded parents who want to make the most of family outside time. Well, this is the spot for you. Welcome to Outdoorsy Families, a podcast dedicated to getting your family on its next big adventure and stories of other families doing the same thing. I'm Audrey Withicum, the host of Outdoorsy Families. Each week on the podcast, we'll cover the joyful, funny, messy, and sometimes challenging aspects of getting outside with kids. I believe any family can be an outdoorsy family, and I'm here to help make that happen. If this sounds like what your family is looking for, then follow along on this big adventure with me. Welcome to the first Outdoorsy Family Storytelling episode. I'm Audrey Withicum, and I'm so happy you've joined me in this new format. Today you will hear stories of adventures in the national parks from other families just like yours. These stories and the episodes are listener-submitted and pre-recorded. This new format is my solution to a bit of a problem I've had since moving to Montana. The problem is my internet. It's so awful I can't do Zoom calls, which have ruled out interview-style podcast episodes, And I don't have extra childcare, so I can't go somewhere else to record them without bringing my kids along and knowing that it won't be a quiet space. So I'm giving this a new try and seeing what everyone thinks about this new format. My plan is to give these story episodes a try and see what you think, while also doing informative episodes on how to do different outdoor activities with your family. I'm very interested to hear your feedback on this episode. Please leave a review and let me know what you think. If you have more feedback, either send me a DM on Instagram or send me an email at Audrey at outdoorsyfamilies.com. The first story today comes from Kristen Kupperman. Kristen was on the podcast previously and is back to share the awesome story of her son's first steps outdoors in the national parks.
1: Hi, my name is Kristen Kupperman and I'm here to share my family story of our latest adventure in a national park. Before I tell my story, um, I'm going to introduce my family and then give a little bit of background information about why this park trip was so meaningful to us. So my family consists of me, Kristen, as well as my husband, Andrew, and my two-and-a-half-year-old son, Elliot. So when Elliot was about nine months old, we were at his pediatrician appointment, and the doctor determined that... He was not meeting some of his gross motor skills. He wasn't able to sit up on his own, roll over, or crawl. And so she suggested that we see some early intervention specialists to determine what was going on. And after meeting with them and doing an evaluation, they determined that Elliot had significant gross motor delays. Um, So he should have been meeting milestones at that age that he was not. And Because he was so far behind, they suggested physical therapy um, to get him up to speed. While all that was happening, our doctors were trying to figure out why he had gross motor delays. Um, So we were doing lots of blood tests, x-rays, we even met with a neurologist and specialist to determine what was going on with his body, and luckily everything came back negative. There was no medical reason why he couldn't walk. Although the physical therapist did determine that he has lower muscle tone in his legs, as well as super flexible ankles, and that was making it really hard for him to feel comfortable and confident walking and being able to support his body weight on his legs. So for the next year and a half, um, Elliot was in physical therapy. He was meeting with her virtually um, once every two weeks. And during those times, we would just practice gross motor skills, get him more comfortable and confident um, using his lower body. Um, His physical therapist also provided us with some orthotics that came up high over his ankles to give him more stability and support. And once Elliot was able to physically hold weight on his feet and be able to support his own body weight, she brought over an adaptive walker to give him the ability to walk on his own with just a little bit more support than other kiddos might need. So after a year and a half of working with Elliot and um, doing everything we could to support him and make him feel more comfortable and confident on his own two feet, um, Elliot finally took his first independent steps uh, at two years and four months old. He just got up and walked across the room and gave me a hug, and it was the best moment ever. Um, I had spent y- literally years um, dreaming of the moment when he would walk towards me, and after all of the tests, after all of the physical therapy, and everything that that kid did to get to that moment I was just so 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 proud of him and we were really excited because we knew at that moment that Elliot was going to be really excited to walk everywhere explore everything and do it all on his own and I was right Um, but the tricky thing is it happened in the winter and here in Alaska the ground is covered with snow and ice for like eight months so um that makes it tricky especially for a new walker especially especially for a new walker who has issues with balance and um, being able to you know walk on their own for the first time. So Elliot didn't get to explore outside with his new skills but the really exciting part was that we had a trip planned in the spring to go to Haleakala National Park in Hawaii. So Uh, we were really excited to take him to Haleakala. I was really excited to like go to the beach, be in the sun, um, go somewhere nice and warm, but I have to be honest, I'm not the biggest beach person and I was most excited to go to the national park. That was the thing I was most looking forward to on Maui. Um, And my husband and I have always found it really important to raise Elliot taking him places like national parks and beautiful outdoor spaces because it's something that we had when we were growing up um, on a lesser scale. Um, I remember growing up with my family and going camping, and so does my husband, Um, but I never went to a national park as a child. I think my first experience at a national park was probably in my 20s. Uh, I went to Acadia National Park. That was my very first one in Maine. And um, I knew that it was something really, really important that I wanted to include in Elliot's life as well. So, obviously, it was part of our Maui itinerary. And uh, just due to the weather, when we went to Maui, it was the thing we did on our last full day there. And I was looking forward to it the whole time. But while we were waiting for Mount for Haleakala National Park to happen, um, we spent tons of time exploring beaches, taking Elliot to playgrounds, and just giving him the opportunity to walk around outdoors on the ground without worrying about slipping or falling or tripping on ice. And he had such a fun time. It was amazing to finally get to see him walk around and explore the outdoors on his own two feet. And I was so excited to see what he was going to be doing in Haleakala. So, uh... The very last day of our trip, we drove to the summit of Haleakala, which is a dormant volcano. It's located, uh, the summit's located above 10,000 feet. So it's a really long drive to get to the top, but it's incredibly beautiful. You get to drive through all of these different ecosystems and um, see so many different types of plants and animals along the way. And when you get to the top, it is like an otherworldly experience. You're up above the clouds you're standing on the edge of a volcano looking down into the crater and you can see for miles. You can see other islands. You can see the ocean. Um, It's just the coolest experience and so unlike any other national park that I've ever been to. It was also the highest that Elliot's ever been. So I was excited to get to take him up above 10,000 feet um, and see how he did in high altitude. He did a really great job. So now for the really exciting part. So The first thing we did was drive directly to the summit of Haleakala. And so you park in a parking lot and there's about maybe like a two minute walk to get to the very summit of the volcano. So as we were packing up all of our stuff and getting dressed because it was really windy up there, um, Elliot asked if he could walk and we were like, yes, let's do it. Let's try it. And, you know, we figured it would be like any other time, you know, he's got his new legs that he's just testing out. And uh, so we thought he would just walk for like a minute or so and then we'd carry him the rest of the way. But he totally surprised us because he actually wanted to walk the whole time. Um, It should have just taken us a few minutes to get to the summit, took us a lot longer, but it was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Uh, He was walking on the ground Holding mine and Andrew's hand and um, just navigating over dirt and rocks and walking all the way to the top of this volcano all by himself. And um, of course I cried. I was so proud of him. Uh, I realized this is his first hike. Like his first hike ever is at the summit of a dormant volcano on an island in the middle of the ocean like that's incredible um i was so proud of him because it took so much work and time and confidence building and strength building from him to feel comfortable enough to go on a hike and it was just an incredible location for his very first hike Um, so he actually walked all the way back down to the car and then we drove over to the trailhead for the sliding sands trail And lo and behold, he wanted to keep hiking so he actually hiked down into the crater um, and we had to carry him for a lot of that hike uh, so that we could get down farther and he could find lots of cool rocks to play with. But it was amazing seeing him finally get to do that hike for the very first time and it was in such a special location and it's something that I will never forget. So two things I want you to take away from this story. So the first one is Haleakala National Park in Maui is incredible. It is totally unlike any other um, national park I've ever been to because there's this super high summit um, on a volcano, but there's also a really cool um, spot down down at sea level where there's really cool hikes there too. So definitely worth checking out if you ever go to Hawaii. Second thing I want you to take away from this podcast is Every kid develops differently, and so if your kid is experiencing any kind of delays and you're being encouraged to go to seek early intervention, I highly encourage you do it, even though it doesn't always feel great to know that your kid is developing a little bit slower than others. It's so helpful getting that support from a physical therapist or a speech therapist or an occupational therapist um, because you know that your kiddo is in really good hands and that they're going to help support your child to reach all the goals that you have for them
0: thank you again to kristen for sharing her story i just loved hearing all about elliot's progress from needing physical therapy to help with his mobility to now hiking on his own in national parks kristen is an avid hiker it is april and she's already hiked over 100 miles this year in alaska nonetheless And I really encourage you to check out her Instagram and follow along on her journey with Elliot at mom.in.v.mtns. She's really fun to watch, and it's just cool to see all the things that her family gets involved in and all the amazing camping sites they go to in Alaska. Next up is a story from Jennifer Ross. Jennifer is a mother of three. And she and her family were on a pretty big adventure last summer, um, traveling the country to different national parks when they had a bit of an issue happen in my local national park, Glacier National Park. Uh, The story that ensues is one that could happen to anyone pretty easily and also is a great reminder for us to always be prepared with where local emergency
2: care is located hi everybody I'm Jen and I'm Jason and we are on Instagram at Ross's on the road Thank you so much Audrey for asking us to come and share our story on your podcast So today we're gonna share a story about determination and danger
3: or how my kid became Harry Potter
2: <laughs> So last summer our family mom dad and our three elementary aged kids spent two months camping hiking and biking in the Pacific Northwest. Our last big stop on our way home was Glacier National Park, and we camped in the Many Glacier Campground for about a week. It was just so beautiful, remote, uh, peaceful. I was so determined to see a glacier, uh, especially because they're anticipating that all of these glaciers are going to disappear from the park uh, in the next few years.
3: Actually, they thought they were all going to be disappeared by the year 2010, I believe. (laughs) That's That's what the sign says.
2: That's right. So, uh,
3: wait, we should preface the story that I was reading the book life and death in (laughs) Glacier National Park before we went on this hike.
2: That does play a big role in our hiking. So it involves a book, this story, I guess, too. So one day while we were staying at the campground, we decided to get up early and hike to Grinnell Glacier. The full trail is about 11.6 miles round trip with an elevation gain of 1,600 feet. Uh, We opted to take a shortcut. So there's a boat that you can take, and if you pay for a boat ride from the Many Glacier Hotel, you can cut the hike down to about 7.1 miles round trip. You still have that elevation gain of 1,600 feet, but you get awesome views from Swift Current Lake and Lake Josephine while you're on the boat. Um, So that was sort of a bonus for us. We had not planned this trip very well. We didn't have any boat reservations or anything. We had to wait a little bit to grab a boat um, since we didn't have tickets reserved in advance.
3: You should definitely reserve those tickets.
2: Definitely should reserve those tickets in advance if you're going. when I say the boat ride, I actually mean two boat rides. So you take one boat ride across Swift Current Lake, and then there's a short, maybe quarter-mile hike, and then you hop on a second boat across Lake Josephine. The boat rides were so fun and just such a gorgeous view of the mountains uh, from the lake.
3: Two-thirds of our kids love that boat ride, but we still have that one <laughs> who's hold, a holdout on boats everywhere.
2: That's right. One of our kids hates boat rides under any circumstances. So if you get off the boat, you can check out any number of hikes and just boat back to the hotel at the end of the day. We opted for the Grinnell Glacier Hike because I was going to see a glacier. I was so geeked out about this idea.
3: Yes, there was no way you weren't going to see a glacier. (laughs) There
2: was no way I wasn't going to see a glacier. Unless
3: one of our kids (laughs) got injured.
2: It's foreshadowing. So we start hiking and it's definitely a hike with a lot of elevation gain, but also tons of reward. The views were just so incredible. Uh, The kids were moving pretty well. Of course, we're stopping frequently for water and snacks and catching our breath and uh, cheering on, or bribing (laughs) whichever kid is struggling the most. So there's quite a few other people on the trail, but really not a ton of other kids or families.
3: Well, so before we went on this hike, In that book that I was reading, they specifically talked about a grizzly bear attack that occurred on the hike that we were doing, but they said that's not what you had to worry about. It was actually the exposure and dehydration and hypothermia uh, that occurs on this hike because you are traveling up higher elevations. Uh, It's a long, uh, strenuous hike, uh, moderate difficulty. Um, but also one of the issues is all the way the Glacier National Park peaks are formed is it's a lot of tiny rocks that occur all over, uh, the trail from the, the glaciers moving the, the mountain. And that is what can actually get you because they are very slippery, easy to trip on. Uh, so, and then the jagged peaks are all over the place.
2: So going on this whole adventure, I had never camped in bear country before, and I will say I was overwhelmingly concerned about bears. I was not that concerned about falling. So Jason's telling me all this information about how falls um, and...
3: Slip trips and falls. Slip trips the... and
2: falls. are the number one uh, injury creator um, in some of these parks, and you know, you, it's so easy to just shrug it off like, hey, yeah, all right. Not gonna happen. That's another little bit of foreshadowing. So we keep going up this hike. Um, we're sort of on this loose gravelly path. Um, at one point we walked right past a moose. It was just sort of sitting there in the sun napping. It was so cool.
3: Just chillaxing.
2: So we got a photo and kept going. A little further up the trail, we get to this waterfall. You have to hike straight through this giant, very cold waterfall to keep moving on the trail. There's one obvious path to take. So hikers on both sides of the waterfall are just sort of waiting to walk through it to get to the other side. Um, So while we're standing there waiting and watching other hikers, a mom pulls me aside to give me the best strategy to get the kids through without getting too wet. Because even though it's August, it's still cool at Glacier. I mean, we're hiking in pants, sweatshirts, jackets, and hats. Um, So we definitely don't want to get too wet and we don't want to be cold up there
3: and we were not wearing water gear we were not wearing wearing cotton clothing
2: we had cotton clothing on yeah so we end up quickly making it through this waterfall as we continue on we're hiking on this ledge in places it's a pretty narrow ledge maybe not dangerously narrow but narrow enough for me to be like is this a good idea
3: and me to be like i told you this wasn't a good idea
2: (laughs) But I really, really, really want to see that glacier and I want the kids to see that glacier. So I'm like, yes, let's just do this. We've got to do this. We're here. We're navigating this ledge slowly and carefully where we need to, at least on the way up. We're kind of clinging to the rock wall. And in most places, there are a lot of bushes to stop any major falls. Um, Though at this point, I thought the chances of that happening were pretty slim with our crew since they're pretty, you know, sure-footed.
3: Except I told you that the (laughs) scrag that occurs is pretty dangerous.
2: Pretty dangerous. So we keep moving. Finally, we're on a part of a trail with loose stone, but at least we're no longer walking along a narrow-ish ledge. And I'm, like, so sure we're close to the glacier. We're maybe, who knows, a quarter mile from it? It's probably just around the next bend.
3: Well, this is when you started hauling.
2: This is when I started hauling. We
3: had to make it back to get the last boat back across the two lakes to get back to our car to get back to our campsite. So Jen starts hauling because she has to see this glacier. I
2: have to see the glacier.
3: And then Finn, our youngest, can't leave his mom's side. So he starts hauling with her too.
2: So we're under kind of a time pressure. I want to see this glacier. We've got to get back to the boat. I'm booking it. I'm hiking pretty quickly. I'm leading. Uh, My youngest is behind me. Jason's holding up the rear. Uh, the trail's pl- pretty flat because we've already gained a ton of elevation in the hike, but the trail has all of this loose scree on it. And I'm starting to think, hey, we're gonna make it. We're gonna get there. We're gonna be able to see the glacier and head back and still make the boat.
3: Uh, nope.
2: <laughs> and then the screaming right behind me. Our six-year-old's on the ground crying and our 10-year-old is standing over top of him screaming, I see his brain. I'm like shocked. And at this point, there are hikers behind us trying to get around us on this trail. Jason whips into action, picks up each of the kids and sets them on this rocky ledge next to the trail. Our 10-year-old is still screaming and crying, convinced that her brother's brain is falling out. It wasn't. It wasn't falling out. But his little head is bleeding and he's crying so, so hard. And I'm like, crap, and just shocked. And Jason's getting out the first aid kit and cleaning the wound. There's tons of blood, but it looks like at least his brain and skull are intact. So Jason gets the wound cleaned and managed. And we managed to convince our 10-year-old that, in fact, her brother's brain is fine. And everyone calms down enough to walk again. But we decide to go back down the mountain.
3: Didn't get to see that glacier. <laughs> I
2: didn't make it to the glacier. Um, Though our sweet eight-year-old, who is not an avid hiker at all, offered to go with me to the glacier, even though the others were going to turn around. Um, As a side note, our family likes to say that we always have to leave something for next time. So next time, I'm going to hike all the way to that glacier.
3: Better get back soon.
2: (laughs) Better get back soon. (laughs) So we begin hiking down carefully. We've got about three miles to get to the boat launch. Then we'll grab a boat, hike a quarter mile, grab another boat, and we'll finally be to a hotel where we hope a ranger or someone else can help us evaluate this head wound. As we're walking down, you know, through the waterfall, past the moose, we can just see this band-aid and gauze on our six-year-old's head darkened with blood. I'm concerned he's got a concussion, so we stop a few times to evaluate him. At one of those stops, we happen to start talking to a doctor who's hiking the trail, and he offers to take a look. So he checks out the wound, evaluates for concussion, uh, reassures us that everything is mostly fine, that we will probably want to get a stitch or two. Uh, so after that stop, we make it back down, all the way back down the three miles, uh, down sixteen hundred feet of elevation. And we make it to the boat launch in time to grab the last boat of the day. Um, On the boat ride, we start talking to the employees who tell us that there used to be a nurse at the hotel, but there's no longer anybody working at the hotel who would be able to help us with medical problem. Um, So we get back to the hotel, hop in our car, drive to our campsite where we talk to the ranger there. Um, And the rangers that were working there, I think were summer interns And so we ask, like, hey, where can we get medical attention? At this point, it's about, what, four hours after he hit his head? About that. And the ranger station is closed for the day, uh, and there's nowhere we can get medical help. Uh, Of course, this is the point where we note that there is also no cell phone reception in Glacier National Park. So we can't even get on our phones at this point to look help figure out where we're going to get help. The ranger thinks there might be medical assistance about an hour away but she's not sure if that is uh, for everybody or if that is limited and so she suggests the nearest hospital uh, option for stitches might be whitefish which is about a three-hour drive from any glacier campground.
3: In, this cut was not terrible. The rocks that are on Glacier uh, are very sharp, so it was a very uh, surgical cut and very small, uh, very easy to actually suture back up, and I was more than willing to do a little <laughs> medical uh, sur- suturing at the campsite, but Jen refused.
2: It was on his head. We're not messing around with cuts on my baby's head. Um, I'm, sure, I'm sure some of you can relate. And so I leave my husband and the two girls at the campsite, uh, make arrangements with the nearby hotel to call and leave a message uh, at some point. Because again, the only way that I can contact Jason with no cell service is to call the hotel and leave a message for him. So Finn and I get in the car at about 7 o'clock. And we start making the three-hour drive to the hospital. Um, During this time, it's dark. I'm on uh, somewhat untraveled roads. And I have, you know, I'm in and out of areas of cell phone service. So luckily, my mom was on standby. I was sort of texting her like, hey, uh, keep an eye on, on where I'm at. I gave her permission to track my cell phone. Um, Finn and I made it to the hospital in three hours Uh, as expected we ended up um, getting really good medical attention from the hospital there Um, after about you know 45 minutes wait Finn got one tiny little stitch in his head we ended up staying at a hotel uh, for the night and making our way back to Glacier National Park in the morning. Yes,
3: you had a hotel, a hot shower, <laughs> a nice bed and I had two girls worried about their mother in a tent in Bear Country.
2: Yeah. So we make our way back the next morning and uh, we're on track to end up back at uh, Glacier at many Glacier campground just when we told Jason and the girls we would be back, except we hit some road construction on the way into the park as well as a huge line of cars wanting to get into the park. And so we were held up in traffic just trying to return to our campground for about two hours, during which time I can feel Jason and the girls start to worry about where we are.
3: We actually headed over to the hotel to try to contact Jen, because uh, once again, we did not have self-service. Uh, and the person working the front desk in the morning when he gave me the note that Jen had made it safely and Finn was fine, uh, was very kind and nice to deal with. And so I was hoping that we could make another phone call um, to try to get a hold of Jen, just to see where she was. Uh, they let me use the phone, but because of the cell phone service, I was not able to get through to her. And I had not received any, me- any more messages from her. And I, we were two hours later than expected. Uh, so me and the girls were a little worried. Uh, the eight-year-old was our entertainment and helped us uh, stay calm and have fun. Uh, and then also lots of candy and treats <laughs> from the, the general store there helped uh, everybody as well.
2: So eventually, Finn and I make it back into the park and we are reunited with our family, Um, and everybody's pretty overjoyed. Uh, I'm thrilled that the injury was just one little stitch and not something more severe. But I think we learned a couple different lessons in this process. First lesson, always, always have a first aid kit with you on a hike, uh, because falls can and will happen. And apparently, according to this book Jason was reading, it's really likely that that will be your biggest source of danger uh, in the national parks. Our second lesson, I think, is that if we don't have cell phone service, maybe we should just bring the whole family to, <laughs> with us uh, on the three-hour trek to the hospital. I think we were uh, consider- like very worried about each other because of lack of cell phone service. Um, And that's something that our family just doesn't experience usually. Usually we are in areas where we have really great cell phone service. We're able to send off a message to each other at any moment. So having these lapses in communication was really difficult, really stressful um, for us, but we made it through. Um, What about you? Any lessons that you learned in this process?
3: Uh, Maybe you should listen to me. (laughs)
2: Maybe I should. Maybe that's lesson number three. Follow your husband's advice sometimes.
3: <laughs> well, I think we should have just planned ahead. Planned uh, ahead. We went to Glacier, uh, just wanting to kind of do random hikes here and there. But really, uh, when it's as popular it is as it is, you need to make your plans ahead of time. Uh, get those boat reservations yeah. uh, that you want. Also, make sure you have your campground reservations on your phone or printed out because the rangers will not let you through the gate <laughs> unless you can convince them that your husband is very, yeah. very worried in fact, yes. uh, about you and sitting at the campground.
2: Yeah. Finn and I, on our way back in, almost got hung up at the gate uh, because I didn't have my campground reservations saved to my phone. So when you're in those areas of low connectivity, make sure you've got all of your uh, papers and and plans and everything um, easily accessible, so that there's no question about where you're supposed to be when. So I think having said that, that's our story of danger, determination in the national parks, right?
3: And our awesome Harry Potter scar.
2: <laughs> and our awesome, our kids' awesome Harry Potter scar. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Thank you for having us, Audrey. We really appreciate it. Good luck on all of your outdoor adventures, everybody. Well, the Rosses
0: certainly had to deal with some misadventures during their trip to Glacier National Park. It was a good reminder for me as I listened to this story, though, just to make sure I know where the nearest medical care is if I'm going to be venturing out, especially out of cell phone service. That was my big takeaway from this one just to make sure you do have some of that planning involved. I know I love a spontaneous trip too, and I definitely take advantage of those a lot in the summer. Our final story today comes from Katie. Katie is the creator of the small business, the Parks Pages, and she talks about the inspiration behind her business and how the National Parks helped her to create what she's doing now. She also tells one funny little story about an adventure her family had while exploring one of our national parks.
4: Hello, I'm Katie with Big and Little Parks, and I'm very excited to be part of Audrey's first storytelling episode for outdoorsy families. I have a national park story to share with you for this National Park Week, and want to talk a little bit about. The background of Big and Little Parks. My daughter was born in 2019, so when the pandemic hit I had a full-blown toddler who wanted to get outside and explore. But everything was closed and we didn't really know what to do and eventually things started to open up. The out- outdoorsy things to do and when I was a young adult I had gone to National Parks with my dad. So they really had a special place in my heart thus road tripping and going to the parks out west and visiting Shenandoah here on the east. So I decided I really wanted to make that something that she and I shared. And also, when my dad was there, it was a multi-generational trip for those parks we visited, and that became something really, really special. But I really wanted to share this with her, and I wanted to start a record for her, some sort of keepsake Because my game plan was long term and I wanted to make sure she had a record of it. So I started looking online. I had every intention of buying something online and, and just using that. But what I wanted, I found, didn't really exist online. I didn't want to just do national parks. I also wanted to do state parks and local parks and record those too and... I wanted to start collecting National Park Passport stamps, which I had just discovered and thought were amazing. They are free stamps that you can get at any National Park site in your journal. And I wanted a place in the journal to collect those. So so my criteria started to be that it was versatile, that I could collect passport stamps, that it wasn't tied to the National Park system or the State Park system, that it wasn't a regional-specific item. So all of this criteria really narrowed down to nothing online. Nothing existed to what I wanted. And I found the closest thing was the National Park Service Exploration Edition binder. I really liked the idea that it was a binder, that I could move pages around in it, and that I could collect stamps. It's just like their passport booklet, but bigger. And a binder. So I decided I was going to make my own binder. And I would make my pages to match the size of this exploration binder. In case in the future she decided she wanted to go this route, she could then merge them together when she was older. Another thing that the exploration binder didn't have was journal pages. It's just stamps and stickers, really. And to be honest, the sticker component did not appeal to me. The major appeal of the park passports was that they were free. So I took all this together and created my own system. I have pages that, as I mentioned, were sized to match the exploration binder. They had a journaling aspect. I kept it short and sweet. You know, where are you? What day is it? What'd you see? That sort of thing that you get to fill in so that when I'm trying to fit this into my busy schedule, I can just fill the page in and be done with it and not feel like I have to do some sort of overwhelming extensive journaling. And also, I wanted to be able to expand on it. So the fact that it was a binder meant that I could also have these lined pages that I put in if I really wanted to write a lot about a park, if I was really into journaling about that specific part, if we had a big event, if we saw something really cool. So I I developed a system and it basically became a design your own binder system with all these different pages that you could pick from and a checklist and a map. And I was really happy with it and I decided I would start selling it on Etsy because there might be other folks out there who wanted this sort of thing or even people who just have the exploration binder who wanted to add a journaling aspect to it. So I started selling them on Etsy and I discovered it's very difficult to sell journal pages on Etsy without anything to hold them. So, I had been under the assumption people would go out and buy their own binders because it was pretty easy to find something you liked in your budget, but it was hard to photograph in an appealing way. So, I started making my own binders. I used really cool fabrics from independent designers on Spoonflower to make the covers really pop, and I started and I, and I cut the chipboard to make the binders, and it wasn't that difficult considering I have um, a degree in architecture and a lot of architecture is cutting chipboard and making models. So this was just, you know, a hop, skip and a jump to making binders. So I started selling those online too, started an Instagram page over at the park pages because the start out is the park pages. And I have since kind of morphed into big little parks. I've started making stickers and other items I'm really focusing right now on working my way up the East Coast Dark Sky Parks. I'd love to make a map for those in the future. Um, That's a big goal of mine. So that's kind of where my um, business is at the moment. And it's been very exciting. So now I want to talk a little bit about our first trip to her big national park. We decided in 2021 once things had kind of started opening up, people were getting outside and, and, and starting to travel a little bit, that we would go to Congaree National Park. We live on the East Coast, and there's not too many big national parks to choose from, and Maine was really too far away, and we go to Shenandoah um, on a semi-regular basis, and Congaree would be something fun and exciting and new. I was over the moon excited for this trip. I was ready to get out and do something in as safe a manner as possible. So I was very excited. And then I learned that Congaree has giant spiders and lots of mosquitoes. And I was like, well, I'm still excited, but I'm a bit nervous. So... We went down, I remember and I was kept telling my husband, I I packed the bug spray and I called the park the week before was asking if the spiders and the mosquitoes were out and they said not yet. And we got there and we went to the park and the weather was perfect. It was beautiful. It was warm spring day and the bugs weren't out yet. We didn't see any spiders. We saw one mosquito and that was it. So, if you're going to go to Congaree I will say March was delightful when we went. And because it was the pandemic, we brought all of our own food with us so that we didn't have to go out and order from restaurants. And the first night we were there before we went to the park the next day for dinner, my husband cooked an Indian curry. And he had made it before and I really liked it and um we all ate it, and it was delicious. And there was it was a crock pot, and there was a lot of leftover. So the next day, I was packing us up some lunch to take with us to the park. And I packed up the curry. He was like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm bringing this curry to the park. He's like, you can't eat curry on a trail? And I'm like, I don't see why not. So as we took our trail around Congaree, because they have this wonderful boardwalk trail, she and I would stop and sit on the bench and eat the curry. And Congaree is a um, bit of a swamp. <laughs> it's not. I don't know that it's technically a swamp, but my husband liked to take to calling it swamp curry as we walked around the park. And I always find that very funny, especially since it was him who cooked the curry. So he's trying to make a joke at us for eating curry as a trail food. And really, you know, he's just making a crack about his own cooking. It was delicious, and it was a delightful trip, and I'll, I'll always remember it.
0: I've actually been using Katie's Parks pages for recording our own National Parks Adventures. It's been really fun to use those. Make sure you check out her Etsy page. She's now going by Big and Little Parks over there. Her Instagram handle should be changing soon as well to Big and Little Parks. She also said that she'll be having a sale and a giveaway for this National Parks Week. Thank you so much for joining me on this first storytelling episode. Please make sure that you leave a review today and let me know what you thought of this kind of format. I'm really looking to see if this is something that people are interested in or if I should wait and see if the internet will ever improve here and move forward with interviews again, that is a possibility. It's going to take a lot of money, work, and board approval to make that happen. But you never know. It could happen. I also wanted to say that starting next week, I will be sharing some episodes just on tips and tricks for getting outside. I'm going to be starting with some of my favorite hiking activities that we've been doing a lot lately on our own personal hike. Once again, thank you so much for being here today and have an adventurous week.